Rumors are swirling. Is Meghan Markle hiding a bun in the oven? And I think it's important to note that the reason why these photos are so important is because there were rumors that she was pregnant. She's 37 years old. She turned yeah. 37 in August. Duchess Meghan and Prince Harry have just announced that they are expecting their first child. This morning, Kensington Palace announcing the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will welcome a child in the spring. Now, Meghan Markle is 37 and there's lots of debate in the papers right now saying that she's got a geriatric pregnancy. What you just listened to was just a taste of the speculation in the press surrounding the rumours and announcement of the pregnancy of Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex, in late 2018. Much was made of Meghan's age at the time and, as is often the case, the aura surrounding Meghan's royal status made the speculation that much juicier. The fact that Meghan was 37 years of age at the time was also a significant talking point. Of course, public figures are always scrutinised more harshly, but the attention Meghan was given is emblematic of the more low-key yet equally stressful conversations all women have as they move into middle age. Today we are talking about a topic that is often misunderstood and is the source of a lot of anxiety, especially if you're a woman. Pregnancy is stressful enough, but when you reach the age of 35, many believe that your likelihood to bear a healthy baby to term drops dramatically. We often talk about the so-called fertility cliff as if it's an inevitability that every woman will go through, irrespective of diet, culture, stress, environment or any number of external factors. Yet, the research is beginning to indicate that the fertility cliff isn't true. At least, not for everyone, everywhere. There are still risks associated with having children later in life, but it may not be as scary as some would have you believe. Today, we're going to be exploring the topic of geriatric pregnancy, the myths and misinformation surrounding it, and hopefully some of the good news for anyone who's having kids or thinking about having kids after the age of 35. Welcome to Science Radio, episode 201, The Fertility Cliff. Hello, Zanita. Hello, Jesse. How are you? I'm good. I am very excited for this conversation. So am I. And uh, welcome, everybody, to the new podcast format. Zanita, we have a fantastic interview coming up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this interview and why we're doing it and what's it all about? So we are talking to Cece Toro today. And she is going to be informing us about all the myths around fertility, the ticking clock, and so on. She wrote a fantastic article, which you can read if you read the January-February 2024 issue of Signs of the Times magazine. Yep, I'm excited to talk to Cece and hear about all the people she's talked to, all the research she's looked at. Let's go to the interview now. 
We are honored to be in the company of Cece Toro today. Considering that this is a topic that people are very confused about, there's a lot of different opinions and feelings. What makes you, I guess, credible in talking about this? Why this hits home for you and why yours is an opinion which we should consider? I did a degree in molecular biology and genetics, which is all evidence-based, basically. It taught me a lot of skills in analyzing data and being able to understand research. And then I went into a dental degree, which also the program I was in, we studied with the medical students as well. So it was basically a medical degree. And I completed the theory component, but I didn't do the clinical. I ended up switching and going into education to be a teacher. I definitely don't have any clinical experience and I never claim to have anything like that. But I love to research. I am very proud to be a geek and always happy to read the latest medical studies. And actually, I do check PubMed, which is a medical database. I check it pretty regularly, probably a couple of times a month. I'll be 37 in April. And I've only been married for a couple of years. But during that time, people have consistently told us that we need to hurry up and have children. And even before we got married, people were consistently telling us that we needed to hurry up and get married so that we could have children because there's so much hype around the ticking biological clock. My mother actually gave birth to my brother at 41 years old. He was a happy, healthy baby. And for me, seeing that firsthand as a child, I was 10 at the time. I really, in my mind, never thought that women couldn't have children in their late 30s and 40s because I saw my mother do it. And it really wasn't until I reached this age that I started to realize, wow, this is a real fear that women have. And I just want to debunk that fear because I don't think anybody should make fear-based decisions, especially big life decisions based on fear. So that's why I'm really passionate about well, waiting is good if you have to wait a lot of women don't want to have a child uh, as a single uh, that's woman. dr a uh, albert uspe an obstetrician and gynecologist whose research and medical work has been incredibly influential in the world of women's health in this interview with a local canadian tv news network dr uspe voices the prevailing mantra around the age 35 fertility cliff if there is such a thing, they want to uh, establish their uh, career, they want to finish their education. Unfortunately, uh, nature doesn't wait for our social issues. And so women's fertility declines, and it declines significantly, especially after they get to 35 and precipitously after they get to 38 or 39. So women can delay their childbearing, but they need to make the choice and they need to make an informed choice. So we're looking at debunking the ticking clocks and the myths around that. Without going too far into them, what are some of those like myths that we commonly fear? I think the most common one that women, we as women are frequently told, or at least that society pushes, is that our fertility just drops completely when we turn 35. Once, that, once you hit that magical 35, you basically have no fertility anymore. And another thing that we're told all the time, and science has largely supported this until more recently, is that we're going to run out of good enough eggs. And that's, another, that's one of the major reasons why our fertility is dropping. This myth that our biological clock is chronological. I can understand why so many people believe it because even doctors will often perpetuate this myth. 
but the evidence is just showing that this really is a myth, that it's really not to do with how far along we are in our age. And by the way, Cece isn't just sharing an opinion right now. The data actually backs up that more women are having children later in life than ever before. In Australia, New Zealand, the UK and United States of America, women aged 30 to 34 had the highest fertility rate of all birth mothers. Birth rates definitely decline after the age of 35, but the data affirms that more women aged 30 to 35 are having children than any other age gap in the West. It's no surprise then that there exists a growing tension in people who are thinking about starting a family. The older birth mothers become, the more complicated pregnancy becomes. For those who aren't in relationships or who don't feel ready to have a child with a partner, this tension becomes an incredibly difficult relational hurdle to navigate. It's really not to do with how far along we are in our age. We were taught that when you're born, you have, as a female, you have all the eggs that you're ever going to have. That's basically the popular opinion. But it's really interesting that more recent animal research is showing. So there was a study in 2004, Harvard Medical School actually noticed this phenomenon where adult female mammals can actually have new eggs appear in their ovaries. And they noticed it in mice. And it was such a polarizing study. I didn't read it at the time, but as I was looking back over news articles and things like that, I was realizing, wow, when this came out at the time, the articles were just so divided. Some were calling the research stupid, basically, and some were like, wow, this is incredible. But either way, it really inspired more research. So they did a similar study in 2013 on prosimian primates, and they actually saw that the adult females in this species, they could produce new eggs in their adult life. And then you might think, okay, but these are just, these are animals. So then what happened was then in 2016, they were doing a trial for a a chemo drug called, I only know the abbreviation, it's ABVD. But during that trial, they accidentally found that humans actually have that same ability to to develop new eggs. We should really start to rethink this this idea that's always perpetuated that females are born with this just it's a limited pool of eggs it's set to run out and that idea just is continually being taught to girls women everywhere. We know that men keep producing new sperm It, it actually makes sense that women should be able to keep producing eggs Okay, you might be wondering, so if human beings have the capacity to remain fertile well into middle and later age, then why do women have problems bearing children the older they get? Are there other factors at play? That's exactly what we asked CC next. It's caused by stress because stress causes the environment of the mother's uterus basically to be, it's just not suitable for implantation and development of new life. You're probably wondering, okay, what what exactly is stress? Because stress can come in so many different forms and it's basically any kind of challenge that your body is facing and it doesn't have the resources to deal with it. The main hormone in stress is cortisol. And if cortisol isn't brought down in some way, it drives an increase in estrogen, which is one of our main female hormones. And 
estrogen actually directly lowers your thyroid function. And when you have low thyroid function, that basically causes you to lose an excessive amount of carbon dioxide. It's a scientific phenomenon called the Bohr effect. And basically, it shows that if you don't have enough carbon dioxide in the body, your cells can't use oxygen. So basically, high stress causes hypoxia, which is low oxygen in the cells. So what Dr. Pete was seeing and observing was that these old animals had they didn't have enough oxygen in their uterus to keep the embryo alive when it would normally be ready for implantation. So that's why the infertile older animal, it couldn't necessarily naturally fertilize and develop this new life and, and implant it. But when you put... The Dr. Pete that CC is referencing is Dr. Ray Pete. In his book, From PMS to Menopause, Female Hormones in Context, yeah, I know it's a, it's a catchy title, he talks about studies that illustrate older animals producing eggs even past their prime fertile years. But what's even more fascinating is that he found studies where eggs from older animals were implanted into younger animals. To everybody's surprise, healthy babies were born from these old eggs. That's why Cece is pointing towards stress, not old eggs, as the real problem affecting fertility. But when you put that egg into a younger animal, it was able to do that. So what's really interesting is he saw that when you give estrogen to young animals, it actually caused like a similar kind of lack of oxygen in the uterus and it prevents implantation of the embryo. So it's nothing to do with the animal's age. It's nothing to do with our age or loss of fertility, basically. It's really driven by excessive stress, excessive estrogen. It's not just how much time has passed in your life. These kinds of, this research really is bringing home the fact that chronological time, it doesn't necessarily define your biological age. I'm 37 right now, but I can tell you I am 100% healthier now than I was at 21 when I had the worst lifestyle. My hormones were completely out of whack. I was in and out of hospital. I guarantee you that I'm, I wasn't as healthy then as I am now. So we're all getting older, whether we like to admit it or not. We definitely are all getting older. And those who are maintaining a lifestyle that's not ideal, of course, their eggs are not going to be as good when they're older as they are when they're younger. And by the way, there is a reason why 35 is burned into our collective consciousness. It's because that has generally been the age that researchers pointed to when the risk of birth defects such as Down syndrome, preeclampsia and the like are more likely to develop in a growing fetus. However, just because the old research says that doesn't mean it's still true for everyone. Just as this report from SBS in 2019 discovered. Actually on the rise. In the past 30 years, the number of Australian women conceiving in their 40s has tripled. Hi, Dr. Clements. How are you? Hi, good to meet you. Good Come to on meet through. You too. Thank you so Come much. Across all of Australia, all of New South Wales, and in this hospital. 
we've seen an increase. So it's very common. We don't really bat an eyelid when we have ladies having babies in their 40s. Currently about, I just I looked up the data, right. 9% of our um, booked mums are 40 or older. Right. That seems uh, relatively high. We probably have the largest percentage of over 40s mums booked here. Mm -hmm. That'll partly because of where we're located in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and a lot of our mums are more professional women and so they tend to have babies slightly later in life. So yes, yeah, so we are an outlier. If you enter pregnancy, otherwise well in your 40s, you are overwhelmingly likely to have a good pregnancy. So it's not to say there aren't any risks, but the message really is, once you conceive, you get over that early miscarriage risk, if you're otherwise a well woman, you are likely to have a really very normal pregnancy. Are, are most of the women that you're seeing... Okay, back to Cece. There's no way that I would ever say that someone whose lifestyle is subpar is going to be totally okay at 35, 40, 45 to have a kid. I'm more saying that instead of focusing on your age, you want to focus on making the conditions in your environment favorable so that you're not adding stresses to your body that are going to make you age faster than, than if you didn't. There definitely is more risk as you age, but the reason there's more risk is because women who are enduring, and not just women, but it's for men as well, the sperm accounts for 50% of the DNA. So if a couple are living a subpar lifestyle and they want to have children, it would be foolish to think that you're not going to put yourself at risk waiting longer and longer. But at the same time, you can also make your conditions more favourable. I do find it's interesting. You mentioned in the article a lady by the name of Dawn Brook who had a mm -hmm. baby at the age of 59. Um, That's right. Which is pretty, pretty incredible. And I Googled her name in preparation for this interview and I wasn't prepared for the actual floodgate of not just her story but many of the other stories I found somebody who had a baby at the age of 55, 62, yeah. 64. And I did notice actually one common thread was that a lot of these folks who had kids at this age, they're in a much different place in life that people who are younger tend to be. They're at the mm -hmm. end of their career. They're more financially stable. And so yeah. a lot of these couples that I saw, their focus was on slowing down and really focusing on having the child. I don't know if I'm just drawing conclusions out of nothing or if there's something really to that. There absolutely is. I mean, because even if you completely are not looking at fertility and just looking at aging in general, it's a hundred percent. The speed at which you age is a hundred percent determined by your environmental conditions. Um, so, and that can be so many things. It's your diet, nutrition. It can be your relationships and the quality of your relationships, how stressed are you psychologically, emotionally? Is your environment toxic? Do you have, are you exposed to mold, chemicals? How well do you sleep? There are so many factors that can really either contribute to good health or can take away from your health. And when we then consider fertility, what you're saying is spot on because 
my husband and I were joking that a lot of our friends who get pregnant really quickly, a lot of them are actually not even working full time. They don't necessarily have the stresses of a full-time job. Like you said, they might be focusing on something else. How many times have you heard? I know for me personally, I've had so many friends find out they're pregnant and then they're like, I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize you were trying. And they're like, we weren't, we weren't even thinking about it. (laughs) And then sometimes you have couples and my heart goes out to these couples who are trying month after month and but there's actually a lot of psychological stress that comes with that. So so definitely there is that correlation, like you're saying, between these couples who are having children at an older age and they're very settled and they don't necessarily have the stresses that that you might have when you're younger and you're trying to establish a life for yourself. Maybe you're trying to work towards buying a home. There are financial stresses, all of those kinds of things. So yeah definitely can be related for sure. Yeah, you often hear the stories of people who who are trying to have children, they're trying and they're stressing about it and it's not happening. And as soon as they decide to take a break and step back, it's causing them so many emotions. That's when it happens. You know, I don't want to invalidate the experience of couples who who are going through that infertility and that horrible cycle of, oh, it's just another month of, you know, I have many friends who have gone through that and it's devastating. And my heart really does go out to them. But but at the same time, I totally agree, Zanita. I think we all know at least a handful of people who can say that was their experience that, oh, we just decided to take a break. And then all of a sudden we were pregnant. Yeah. It's like taking the pressure off just suddenly makes it the conditions right sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I know Zanita, you mentioned before we started recording that you had actually asked a few of your friends about their opinions and the responses surprised you, right? Yeah, I actually, in preparation for this conversation, posted on my Instagram just that I was doing this podcast interview and what were people's thoughts about the whole ticking clock thing? Like, were they freaking out? Do they think about it often? Um, And I got responses from, I got responses from males and from females I got responses from people in their young 20s, some who were freaking out, some who were chilled. I got responses from people who were married and who were freaking out, people who were single and were saying like, of course, like I think about it all the time, like it plays into my decisions on dating and like it plays into my like, yeah, like I might not be completely happy with a guy, but do I have time to start all over? One of the questions was there seems to be um, a lot of different opinions on this. And you kind of touched on this already, but one one person asked, what are some practical things that women can do to balance their hormones and to be healthy in preparation to conceive and look after themselves? We hear a lot of women talk about raw milk and bone broth, but it all seems very overwhelming. What are some specific things that we can do that will really help us? Yeah, you know, um, raw milk and bone broth are all the rage these days. I personally am 100% plant-based, um, and so I... I personally wouldn't recommend those things. I think more importantly than choosing specific foods is to always have balance. And actually, even more importantly, is actually to make sure you're eating enough because a lot of women are under eating these days because for whatever reason, they're busy. They're just trying to grab a bite here every so often. And that can really stress out the body. So eating enough, eating enough of really nutritious nutritionally dense foods and because once you're eating a wide range of foods and you're also eating 
enough of those foods, one, your body doesn't feel stressed because under eating can lead to stress on the body. And two, if you are naturally eating a wide variety, especially of plant foods, you're getting all the minerals and all the nutri- nutrition that you need. So I, I don't necessarily like to focus on specific things. I think it's more important to have balance and not be like, oh, I need to eat a lot of this or a lot of this or balancing also limiting your processed foods because processed foods are not really doing anything for you except giving you extra calories. It's, it's not really beneficial to the body at all for you to have processed foods. And actually your body has to work hard to eliminate the nasties that are often in processed foods. So just eating, yeah, mineral rich, nutritionally dense foods that are going to fuel you. Also just reducing your exposure to toxins in your environment whether that be a really more dangerous things like mold and actual chemical exposure to things, even in your body products, your cleaning products, trying to choose cleaner options. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and throw out everything that you have that looks toxic currently. It's more a matter of the next time you go and buy something, check the ingredients list and see if you can find something mm-hmm. a little finer. I think I don't think anybody has to go crazy with feeling like my entire life has to just change because I think that can actually really stress people out and make it feel like unattainable to do that. Hey everybody, just a small note to make a small request. We haven't made this request for a while, but if you do enjoy the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left a rating or review on the podcasting platform of your choice. Especially Apple Podcasts really helps us out. Thanks very much. Back to the episode. I think the most important thing in in preparing yourself for pregnancy and really boosting your fertility is actually your mental and emotional health. That is so crucial. I mean, we've talked already about how stress can play such a big role. Stress, I've seen so many um, clickbait kind of articles that say things like stress is the new smoking. And yes, they're very clickbaity, but actually there's a lot of data to suggest that stress really is very dangerous, maybe as dangerous as smoking in terms of the detrimental effect it can have on your health. And then I would say the other thing which we, we talked about the last podcast, is getting mm-hmm. sunlight. It's so incredible for your body to get enough sunlight. It just, we were designed to be in the sun. And so being in the sun activates so many physiological, biological processes in your body that are really crucial to fertility. One of the main ones is really regulating your circadian rhythm so you can sleep well. You, mm. When you sleep, you get good rest and restorative hormones that flood your body while you're sleeping. So yeah, so I don't like to, I don't necessarily to give like too many specific steps because I find that people can get caught up in specifics and then feel like if I'm not doing this, then I'm not going to be fertile enough. Mm -hmm. But really, you want to change your habits in a way that's sustainable. Because if you can't keep it up, you might might do all the steps it takes 
to get there. But then if you can't maintain it throughout your pregnancy, you're going to go back to habits that are not great. Whereas if you can find little things that are sustainable and just maintain them throughout your pregnancy, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot easier for you, less stressful. That's what I would say probably. Yeah. We don't want people to be stressed about not being stressed. No, like (laughs) you want to actually, you want to have fun with it. Like happy you want to be happy in your marriage you want to um, be laughing about things you want to have joy like imagine when you're when your baby is created and conceived in that kind of environment and the difference that makes to a baby that's conceived in an environment that I just really need to get pregnant and I'm really stressed about this there's a huge difference You, you want to set yourself up to have a joyful pregnancy and then yeah a joyful life with your baby. I don't have the data off the top of my head, but when you just look at birth rates and women who are still having children, it's actually really interesting that for our generation, women have had children later. And I think that's more because of maybe career choices, a different mindset. And that's actually a really significant factor. There are a whole host of different reasons why women are having children later than they used to, and the data really helps us to get a bigger picture on this trend. About 20% of women in the US now have their first child after the age of 35. The most significant reasons for this are fairly obvious. Many women want better education and a career. They want to set themselves and their family up for future success in life, and often having kids is seen as an interruption to a career trajectory. After all, How many dads do you know who sacrifice their career to raise their kids? Whether we like it or not, women are often the ones whose professional aspirations are sacrificed in the name of parenthood. Add to this a housing and cost of living crisis, and you've got an environment incredibly hostile to the financially and professionally taxing enterprise of child rearing. But the fact that women are having children later tells us that our eggs are not just completely disappearing at a later age. If women are still able to have those children, then they, they've got to be eggs there to, in order to do that. Jesse gave so many examples of women who are having children into their 60s. And I'm not mm. saying that's going to happen for everyone. I definitely mm. would say that is the minority. But the fact that it can happen shows you that your eggs are not just disappearing. I think what this article and this conversation does is a great job at reducing the amount that we need to stress. I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen um, or heard of the stress performance curve. It's basically a graph that shows that there's like a level of optimal stress that makes us like productive right, and motivated. Right. I guess the interesting thing is when I look at like the messages that I received on Instagram about this conversation or when I just talk to my friends, it seems like they're on that high end of the scale where they're overwhelmed and they're anxious and they're panicking and they are just like making poor decisions because they're so stressed about it and at that level productivity actually like decreases and I think what we don't want this podcast and article to do is to make people passive and to just sit back and not consider their future and not think about things right it would be a shame for people to take that mindset and completely miss out but I think there is a balance to look after your environment and to get healthy and to focus on things that um, we can sustain over time. Absolutely. I think ultimately for any health habits, it's really important when you're establishing health habits 
that you always choose things that are going to be sustainable because there actually mm-hmm. no point in you establishing a habit that you know you can't maintain because it shouldn't be something that you're just doing temporarily. That's why I don't necessarily like the word diet when people say, oh, can you recommend a certain diet to me? I don't really like to do that because it needs to be like what works for me or what works for one person might not be sustainable for you. I like to give more general recommendations that people can work towards and implement as opposed to specific, like, this is the best thing. Because I think having such a cutthroat approach can make it really unattainable for a lot of people. People are, people will go, I can't do that, therefore I can't get healthy, which is just actually not the case. Everyone can take little steps that will help them to improve their health. But it's really identifying what are those steps that you're going to be able to maintain and choose one and focus on it for a couple of weeks. And then when you feel like, okay, I have the hang of this, I'm incorporating more plant-rich foods into my diet and I'm incorporating a bit more variety and oh, I'm starting to feel pretty good about it, developing a routine with my meal prep. I think I'm ready to start implementing more of a regular exercise routine as opposed to, okay, I need to get my diet right, exercise, make sure I'm drinking all the right water, make sure I get this amount of sunlight. Like if you're trying to do it all at once, it can just really seem overwhelming. So this is definitely, this podcast is not to say don't do anything, but also don't do everything without really considering whether you can sustain and maintain it. I got another message from a girl who she she just turned 33 and she said she she kind of went from the mindset of, oh, it's okay, it'll happen in the right timing to when she turned 33, she was like, I've got to make this happen. And she's all of a sudden making demands on relationships. You've got to go. I need someone who wants this right now. And I think that's probably the concerning thing I've seen in some of these messages and in some of just my friendship circles is how this stress impacts our relationship decisions in the sense of people are like settling more because they think if they're not married by 30 or 32 or 33, it's not going to happen. And so they've just got to stick with who they're with, which is a huge stress. And so I guess you mentioned, Cece, that you got married at a later age. Like, how did you trust that process or like how we, how did you hold that patience were you also freaking out and thinking you had to find someone or like how did you deal with your stress in that? I feel terrible because I can definitely sympathize with women who have this kind of fear and but to be honest I haven't personally experienced it myself. I don't know if you remember Zenia, but back when we were living in the same area I was like I was so stoked to be single like I just I was single for I would say like about I think about six years in my 20s and very happily single. And for me, I guess the biggest thing was I just wanted to, I just wanted to be spending as much time as I could with God and doing ministry and just, and being given so many opportunities to, to serve and to minister. I would, I just was eating it up. And so to me, I was never really thinking, oh no, at what point am I, am I going to need to start focusing on getting into a relationship. I actually for many years thought, oh, I think I would be happy being single for the rest of my life. I didn't even consider motherhood. So I wasn't really ever in that mindset, almost 31 when my husband and I started dating. And we had so many, as soon as we started dating, like literally, as soon as we started dating, all the aunties and uncles at church were, okay, time to get married. 
she's 31. Oh my <laughs> you goodness. guys gotta hurry up. And to me, I was like, let's just get to know each other. Like we were both working full time, very busy, but I really loved that we were doing ministry together. And so I would have an opportunity to observe him in different situations. He had an opportunity to observe me. And for us, it was really, again, we just wanted to make sure that God was in the center of our relationship. And it never really entered my mind like, oh, I need to hurry up and get married to this man so that we can have children. For me, something that I have found to be true throughout my whole life, even when I didn't know God, but I can look back and see his hand in my life, is that God's timing is perfect. It's so perfect. And sometimes we have this desire to rush things. And often it's not for our best to rush things. God knows exactly when is the best timing for us. We serve the most wonderful God. And if it's his plan for me to be a mother, he'll make it happen. I don't ever need to worry. I don't ever need to stress about it. And I would love to apply this lack of stress to other areas of my life that I do sometimes stress about. But this in this particular area, I honestly have not ever stressed because to me, I just know that if that is God's plan, it's not going to be like a, oh no, when is it going to happen kind of thing. It's going to be, it's just, it's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. as long as I'm doing everything that I'm aware of, that God has convicted me of to prepare and to set myself up for that, he's going to do the rest. He's been doing it for thousands of years. So I can trust that he's going to, he's going to do it in my life and in my husband's life as well. So yeah, so that's, I think, the biggest thing for me just to trust that God's timing is perfect and his plan is perfect. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. To listen to the full interview with CC, you can head over to our YouTube channel. Just search Signs of the Times and the link will be in the show notes. Once again, if you enjoyed this new episode format, let us know. You can get in contact with us through the email address in our show notes, info at signsofthetimes.org.au. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating or a review. We'll see you in two weeks' time for a brand new episode. This is an Adventist Media Podcast. 